The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I am Will Brinson. I am the host of the show. I am now going to be concise and specific because someone left a 9,000-word iTunes review, and it's got me on edge. I'm easily triggered by iTunes reviews. If you want to de-trigger me, go on iTunes and leave a nice review, a five-star review. If you like the show and want to do that, great, grand, fantastic. Uh, you know, If you don't like it, whatever. Move on. Don't move on from this show, though, because this will be awesome. Chargers, Raiders, me, Jared Dubin. Previewing Thursday Night Football. Dudes, what's up, buddy? I'm going to leave like a 30-second gap between every time you talk and when I start talking so I can pretend that you weren't as concise as you said you were going to be, and then people can complain. If you do that, I will absolutely fill the dead air in awkward fashion. I, I I just will. I'll be like, well, so uh, I I'll like dive back in. Like, oh, Dubin, uh, uh, Derek Carr, uh, uh. So I'm not gonna say, ah, oh, you know what? I'm gonna be concise and very deliberate about how I approach this podcast. What is the most interesting thing? You know what? I know. Screw that. I'm being myself. This game kicks ass, Dubin. I'm pumped for it. Chargers minus. Don't want to tell you the line. Chargers at Raiders. This game is. Not so secretly huge. I don't know if everybody fully understands the importance of this game because when you look at the standings in the AFC, the AFC West specifically, the Chiefs are six and three. They're going to Tennessee. I know people are giving them that win. I don't think it's a guaranteed win on Sunday. We'll talk about that later this week on the podcast as we preview the week. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes could be banged up. Maybe we don't know if he'll play for sure. The Raiders are four and four. The Chargers are four and five. The Chargers are traditionally great in November. The Raiders are playing awesome offensive football. The winner of this game is going to be one, either one game above 500 and one game, you know, one or two games back of the Chiefs or right at 500 and one or two games back of the Chiefs. And so I just think that this is a huge game because one of these teams, especially the Chargers playing the Chiefs next week, is going to be involved in the AFC West and the AFC wildcard playoff picture. Do you agree? I would say it seems like a huge game now. I'm sorry, I forgot to leave a 30-second space before I started talking. Um, I would say it seems like a huge game now just because of the situation that we're in, but I don't think it's going to end up being a huge game in the grand scheme of things because I don't think either one of these teams is really going to make a run at the playoffs, but we are in right now, so it is a huge game. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give it to you. I think the, the Chargers are making a run. 
weren't you two weeks ago on this very podcast talking about how the Chargers are pathetic and they're terrible? Your Chargers that you've been pumping up for like eight consecutive years. And two weeks ago, you were like, they're terrible. They're a disaster. The Bears are definitely going to kill them. Um, which granted, like everybody was saying that, but now it's like, it's funny how far we've come in two weeks with, uh, you know, a, a kind of unimpressive win against the Bears. And then granted their probably best game of the season against the Packers. Well, this is obviously an att- that was obviously an attempt by me to uh, reverse jinx the Chargers and to launch them into the stratosphere of great playing football. I, I really do think, and look, we'll see if it carries over tonight. Um, what we saw from the Chargers against the Packers was the best version of the Chargers. Maybe they just showed up one night because Ken Wisenhunt got fired, but Melvin Ingram was back. And he and Joey Big Bear Bosa were rushing the passer like crazy. Uh, Russell Okun was back, and that led to a lot better protection for Philip Rivers. Melvin Gordon looked like he shook off the rust. I, I don't know if it was just a, oh, crap, somebody got fired, we got to shape up game. Um, and look, the Bills are 6-2, and two, the Colts are 5-3. and three. Those are your wildcard teams as it stands right now. The Steelers are 4-4. Four and four. You know, The Raiders and Chargers are going to have people to jump over. So maybe you're right, maybe it doesn't happen. I mean, the Texans at 6-3. and three, I mean, this is not a, it, it, it's a little bit, it's a muddled playoff picture, but there's some work to be done by the Chargers and Raiders if they want to get involved in this playoff race. But this, to me, this game just feels big. Let's, um, let's talk about, first of all, the injury report. Cause mm. buddy, people are hurting this game. Denzel Perryman, I think is a very notable name because of his status as a big time linebacker for the Chargers. He is questionable. If he plays, that, that helps the, Chargers run defense a ton against Josh Jacobs, who's playing really well. And Josh Jacobs, limited Monday, back to full practice. He's good to go. Um, for the uh, for the Raiders, Arden Key out. We've got Rodney Harrison is li- listed as questionable. And uh, Trent Brown listed as questionable. Also for the Chargers, Justin Jones ruled out. Brandon Meebane, questionable. Justin Jackson, eh, nobody cares about him. What's the most important injury of those, of those, of those group? Is it Perryman for the defense of the Chargers or is it those two offensive linemen for the Raiders? I'm going off the board with oh. the Chargers three safeties that are still out. Derwin James, Nasir Adderley and Adrian Phillips. That's, you know, hugely affected the back end of their defense, which was one of the best in the league last year. They were the team that came up with, uh, you know, like, dime defense as your base defense for most of the season last year they were playing six defensive backs on almost every snap and some of that was due to injuries to their linebackers you know Perryman was out for a little bit I believe last year I can't remember if it was last year or the year before but he's he's always on and off the field um but they were using six defensive backs for a lot of last season three safeties a lot of the time they came out in the playoffs and shut down the Ravens with seven defensive backs for pretty much the entire game um so the, the defensive backs for them or what allow you know them to just rush for? They had such good coverage on the back end. Bosa and Ingram were uh, were kind of uh, a sole force up front. Now, obviously, they got back to that last week. But I mean, other than Casey Hayward, their defensive backfield is just not playing as well this year, and that's because you know their two starting safeties, James and Phillips, have been out for James the entire season, Phillips most of the season, and uh, that's just put a lot more pressure. On Desmond King, who was one of the best slot corners in the league last year, but has not been very good this season. And then Rayshon Jenkins, who was, you know, their number three or number four, mostly sub package safety last season. He's basically been a starter this entire season, and he's just not obviously as good as Derwin James. Yeah, Derwin James is one of the best safeties in football. 
He's an all pro. He's, I mean, he's freaking great. And, um, yeah, and look, you know, it takes a lot for me to say that because Rayshon Jenkins went to Miami and Derwin James went to Florida State. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think this Chargers team takes a big leap forward when Derwin James comes back. And I think they know that they've got, you know, reinforcements sort of around the, around the bend. What happens when they have the ball on offense though? How has Phillip Rivers looked to you and what do the metrics say about Phillip Rivers? Is he falling apart? Is he washed up or is, you know, he just been battling a bad offensive line? I think it's battling a bad offensive line, battling a pass catching core that's been banged up for basically the entire season. You know, Hunter Henry obviously missed several weeks. Mike Williams, uh, missed one game, but has been playing through injury essentially the entire year. Keenan Allen has been playing through injury for the past several weeks. Melvin Gordon was out early in the season. Justin Jackson has been in and out of the lineup. Uh, Travis Benjamin is on IR. Dontrell Inman is on IR. You know, Mike Pouncey's on IR. Forrest Lamps on IR. Russell Okung was out until last week. Like, this offense has been essentially falling apart around Rivers. None of that is to say he's played particularly well outside of that. But I mean, when you have injuries to essentially like the guys I just named, that's like eight of the 11 starters on offense. Um, so it's, it's, it's been a lot. And I think you have to take any numbers that the Chargers offense has put up with at least a little bit of a grain of salt, um, just because of all those injuries. Not that injuries are all that unusual for the Chargers, like this happens to them every year. But I think this season has been sort of particularly egregious in terms of just the the volume of long-term injuries as opposed to guys, you know, playing banged up or missing one or two weeks or whatever it is. Did Melvin Gordon look like he's back to you? Uh, certainly the production was there, but, I mean, you look at it, 20 carries for 80 yards is not exactly going off. Uh, he just happened to get in the end zone twice. I still think they're kind of forcing the ball to him for – essentially no real reason like he's not going to be there beyond this year i don't know why they feel the need to uh to sate him with all the touches that he's been begging for seems like they should probably just do what's best for their offense and that tends to be at least you know from my eye at this point it tends to be austin eckler um you know uh and again the the raiders run defense is pretty good i mean to me you want to attack these guys through the pass granted gordon is a good pass catcher but i think eckler is pretty clearly uh a better one um so you know i don't I don't know where I, where I'm really going with that, but I, I don't think Gordon was, you know, if you look, if you look at Gordon's first three seasons, he was not a very good running back. He just got in the end zone a bunch. Like he didn't even average four yards a carry in any of his, any of his first three seasons. Last year was really the first time that he lived up to sort of the public perception of him. And now this year he's sort of back to what he was during the first three years of his career. Yeah. I still think they'll feed him. He ran well last week though. Um, let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about what happens when the Raiders have the football. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, 
legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, the Oakland Raiders making a mockery of my predictions, my venomous battle rivalry, the Brinson brothers versus the Carr brothers. Everyone knows <laughs> it extends far deep into hit. No, I'm just, I, I, I don't, I don't, my, I like the cars. I don't know I why. I think you have a rivalry against Carr brothers that don't even exist. Like, uh, I, I'm pretty sure hey, you I'm, have a rivalry with, with Devin Carr and Dallas Carr and what are other D names? Drew Carr. Dallas uh-huh. Carr would be kind of a good Dubin Carr. Dubin Carr. Yeah. <laughs> Named after the infamous Jared Dubin. Um, <laughs> Dallas. I like Dallas Carr. It's pretty good. Do you think Derek Carr's, is Derek Carr playing good football right now? Cause there's, there, he is sort of the, uh, film analysis piece du jour, if you will. Uh, I know that Steven Ruiz wrote about him at, for the win, and we saw um, Derek Class wrote about him at Football Outsiders. There's just a lot of is Derek Carr, is this 2016 Derek Carr? Is this is Derek Carr? Like, there's just a lot of Derek Carr analysis out there right now. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at his numbers, he's been a sizable amount better this year than he was in 2016. It's just that the Raiders don't have quite as good of a record. I mean, he's completing 71% of his passes. And while that number in and of itself does not necessarily mean he's playing better. I mean, his yards per attempt average is way up too, 7.9 yards per attempt, which is considerably better than what he was doing, you know, in that season a few years ago when they went 12 and four, exactly 12 and four, by the way. Um, and you know, he's got 13 touchdowns. Exactly 12 and four, huh? Yeah. 13 touchdowns uh, in eight games is not, uh, you know, an extraordinary number, but he's only thrown four picks, too. You know, he's got a seemingly unbelievable connection with Darren Waller. He's made things work with Tyrell Williams when he's been out there, taking sort of targeted deep shots down the field. Hunter Renfro has been good the past couple weeks. Foster Moreau is getting in on the action when they go into their two tight end sets. I mean, I, I think I just got to take an L on this Raiders offense. You know, I... I was right about their defense. It's awful, but the offense, I mean, they're only 11th in yards per game and 16th in points per game, but they're fifth in offensive DVOA. They're one of only three teams in the top six in both rush offense and pass offense DVOA. Um, They've just been good. John Gruden's doing a good job of putting guys in position to succeed offensively, you know, particularly Jacobs, particularly Waller before these last couple of weeks. You know, this is what I mentioned earlier. The last two opponents for the Raiders have essentially just said, we're going to make anybody but Darren Waller beat us. Um, and he's had two catches in each of the last two games. Granted, one of them was a touchdown two games ago. And then the, the two last week were both, I think there was like a 20 yard catch and a 30 yard catch, but Tyrell Williams has has been good these past couple of weeks. Renfro's been good. Moreau's been good, like I mentioned. So the other guys have stepped up while teams have been super focused on Waller. But, I mean, before that, Waller was averaging, like, whatever, what was like six or seven or eight catches a game. Uh, actually, he's still at six catches a game, average 48 catches in eight games. He's been really good. Uh, the run blocking for them has been really good. They're fourth in adjusted line yards at Football Outsiders. Josh Jacobs has been significantly better than I expected because I expected their offensive line to be pretty bad. And he's averaging 4.9 yards a carry and, you know, yards per carry could be a little bit misleading if you get a bunch of big plays. But I mean, he's 11th in rushing success rate at football outsiders too. And he's on pace for like 1500 yards and 12 touchdowns. The the offense has just been flat out good. Hmm. Yeah. 
you know, frankly, I think there's a case to be made that John Gruden could be the coach of the year. I don't know about that just because there are so many other like seemingly notable coaching jobs. Like, you know, are you really going to give it to him over Kyle Shanahan, who's got the 49ers undefeated? Are you going to give it to him over, you know, Frank Reich, who has the Colts still in the mix with after his quarterback retired a week before the season started? Like, there are just so no. many other coaches oh, that are like flashier. I'm just saying that if um if we saw him go to the playoffs, that it would at least be worthwhile consideration. Sure. By the way, as Debo points out, and I was frankly stunned by this, and I had to confirm it on offshore as well. Um, Josh Jacobs is now the favorite to win offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, well, you know, the Jaguars benched Gardner Mitchell, who was my midseason pick, because he had been providing, you know, considerably above average quarterback play as a rookie sixth round pick. Um, but you know, look, anytime you can go back to a guy who's never lasted 16 games in his career, um, <laughs> and essentially has had what a Super know, Bowl. Yeah, he played well for three games. Um, played really, really well for three games, uh, and then played well for three games last year, and played well for like 10 games in that one year with Chip Kelly. Uh, and other than that, has mostly been kind of bad and always hurt. But you know. Look, if you could go back to that guy because you paid him a lot of money as opposed to sticking with a six-round pick who's going to make like $600,000 a year combined in the next 12 years or something uh, and showed himself to be above average as a rookie six-rounder, I think that's the move that you have to make. Anyway, you were talking about Josh Jacobs, and yeah, the dude has just been really good. I need I need them to get him more involved in the passing game. Like when you get him out in space, it seems like he could just make guys miss. Um I, I forget who mentioned it on Twitter earlier this week, but he's broken more tackles than anybody in the league except Chris Carson, who I think like Chris Carson just broke a tackle from me and you while we were recording this podcast. All the guy Carson does broke a podcast. He broke a broke a podcast. Broke a tackle. Yeah. You yeah. say he just breaks a tackle. Yeah, all all he does is break tackles. It's like the Chris Carter of tackle breaking. Um and uh yeah, I mean Josh Jacobs has done a really good job of, of breaking tackles too. And I I think if you get him out in space and let him, you know, make something happen, that uh, that should be good for them. Hey, do you think that the we're like veering back towards the Raiders might have done okay in the Cleo Mack trade? Um, I mean, they're gonna get a pretty high pick from the Bears this year. Yeah, they could land. I mean, they could end up because Jacobs is one of the players. And I know he's a running back, and you take him in the first round. So, but Jacobs you know, wasn't the the pick from the Cowboys in the Cooper trade. Let me look. Maybe it was Abrams. I think it was the um I think it was Jacobs because Abrams went who went first? Abrams was the Dallas pick, yeah, and, and Jacobs was the Chicago pick. Okay. Because that was sort of the thing when the Bears lost to the Raiders in London was that like Jacobs is running down Khalil Mack's throat, scoring three times, and Gruden's like feeding Jacobs in that game. They beat Khalil Mack with Josh Jacobs. And that was sort of the irony of that whole thing. I would say that um, if Josh Jacobs being good causes them to pursue suboptimal strategies, then it's probably not a win. You know, if they become a we're going to establish the run and run the ball 55 percent of the time type of team and then pay Josh Jacobs a big extension in three years when he's eligible. Not as much of a win as it looks like right now. But while he's on a late first round pick contract and providing them with, you know, really good pl- play from, you know, one of the league's least valuable positions, it looks like a win for now. And if they get another good player, um, with, you know, a potential top 10 pick from the Bears, 
then it obviously looks much more palatable. But, you know, we talked about, or I guess we didn't mention it earlier, but their pass rush is an absolute disaster. And I feel like they could probably use Khalil Mack getting after quarterbacks. I'm trying to think. Okay. So I, I believe, uh, that did the Raiders not get a second round pick too? Am I crazy? They got a bunch of picks and like they, they might be getting picks, you know, by the time you're, what is it? Is your son five or six now? He's six or f- five. still five. He might be yeah, by the co- time he graduates from college, the Raiders might still be getting picks from this still, trade. Still getting picks from the Bears. Um, yeah, they traded, Chicago traded first and sixth round, as well as the 2020 first and third round selections to Oakland. Whoa, so they're going to get a first. Man, that third rounder is sneaky. So, because remember, the Raiders sent their second round pick plus Khalil Mack to the Bears, mm-hmm. right? And that means that that Bears third round pick is going to be a top 70 pick or top 75 pick. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, it should be considering what the Bears, like, I don't suddenly see the Bears going like eight and eight. I mean, if the Raiders make the playoffs and the Bears continue to collapse, I don't think we, uh, need to worry about the first part of that, but you know, I've been, I've been wrong about the Raiders so far. So I mean, the Raiders, the Raiders could get to nine and seven and miss the playoffs. And then that would still be a top 70, you know, like I'm saying like, yeah. It would be. A they fi- would essentially be moving down like 15, 20 picks. Right. That's not that much. That's sort of what I was. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. Or like maybe Where realistically, you expected it to be like forty or fifty picks. Like the Raiders would be near the top of the round, and the Bears would be near the bottom. Exactly. And it looks like it could be you know middle middle or middle early something yeah. like that. We were thinking the Bears would get like the thirty sixth overall pick, and the Bears would give up like the 93rd overall pick or the 90th overall pick. And now it's looking like it might be 55 and 75 or something like that, which would be know a, about 55, but I'm maybe just, like just 45 and like 72. Okay. That's that. I, I do that trade. Yeah. And they're going to get their first round pick, which might be, I, I just think it's interesting to note that depending and look, we're a long way off from that. And this is sort of a derail of a tangent, but that's what we do. Um, it would be, Thought we Let's, weren't supposed to do that anymore. Yeah, screw that guy. The, uh, <laughs> if the, if the, depending on who the Raiders take with the first round pick they get from the Bears, which again could be top 15, top 10 even, uh, and depending on who they take with the third round pick for they get from the Bears, you know, you're going to package those two guys plus, you know, versus Khalil Mack and whoever the Bears take in the second round from the Raiders, which is, you know, Mack was incredible last year. He's been very good this year, but not. It's also, you know, an extra year of Khalil Mack. You know, they had Mack yeah. for, for last season yeah. and he made them the best defense in the league and brought them essentially to the playoffs. And if they had a real quarterback as opposed to Mitch Trubisky, they might have gone further than that. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Um, let's do props. Let's do it. Phillip Rivers. I actually saw the number. On my local is 300. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Passing yards over on, did I, did I, am I crazy? I saw that. Yeah. Over under 300 and a half passing yards. That's a ridiculous over under. 300 yard passing game is huge. He is, uh, per Debo's rundown, 298 over under 298 passing yards. Okay. Um, I mean, he's averaging, I'm looking at it now, like 290. Yeah. And this Raiders pass defense is pretty bad. Uh, I threw for 294 against the Packers last week. And granted, the Packers pass defense hasn't been as good 
in the last few weeks as it was early in the year when Jair Alexander was shutting everybody down. Um, I'm going to go over. I mean, I think if the Chargers want to move the ball, which they should want to, it's going to have to be through the air because their rush offense is not good and the Raiders' rush defense is pretty good. And uh, the opposite is true when you look at the passing game. The, the, the Chargers' passing game is pretty good. The Raiders' passing defense is pretty bad. Uh, I'm going to go over. Okay. Wow. That's a, that's a big number. Over under Derek Carr, 250 and a half passing yards. I think I'll go over there too. I kind of like the teams to be able to move the ball. The, char- the Chargers defense, like I mentioned earlier, has just not really been good this year. You know, last year they were top 10 against the run and the pass and in overall DVOA. This year they're in the bottom third in all three of those, 25th against the run, 23rd against the pass, 26th overall. Um, granted they do have Ingram and Bosa now both there, but I mean, the secondary is still really banged up. Perryman might miss the game too. Mebane, I think is either out or questionable for the game. Justin Jones is out. Um, they're just really banged up on defense. I think you can move the ball against them. Okay. By the way, this is not a prop, but it's my favorite bet in this game. Chargers team total over 24. What do you think? Um, you want to just get to my score prediction then? Uh, yeah, but Mel, I will do, ooh, Melvin Gordon over under 51 and a half rushing yards. That's interesting. Um, I'll go under. I think they got a throw. Okay. Josh Jacobs over under 83 and a half rushing yards. Uh, over. Mm. Keenan Allen over under 68 and a half rushing yards. Keenan Allen definitely under on rushing yards, potentially over, over on yards. receiving yards. <laughs> He's not prepared. Uh, yeah, I, I guess if I went over 300 for Rivers, I got to go over 60. For Keenan Allen. 68 and a half. So it'd be over 70, basically. But yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's get to your prediction. I got 27, 23 Chargers. I like that. I predicted 31, 24, but I'd be fine. I think, I think there's going to be scoring in this game. Yeah. I, I mean, 50 is a decently high total. What's the over under? It is, uh, 49. There you go. So I actually originally had 24-20, but then I gave each team an additional field goal. So that's uh, it's interesting that I went from solidly under to just over. I also think um, there is a little bit like you need to you need to be able to identify these Chargers narratives when you look at this game. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that. I think uh, Action Network has uh, currently. 66% of the bets are on the Chargers and 56% of the money on the Chargers. So that's mm-hmm. not great, but the line is moving towards L.A. So it's kind of a, hard to read into that entirely. I would say that um, one of the things about the Chargers that I think is very interesting is they they literally they play better every November. Their November record and their November point differential every year is better than it is uh, with the exception of last year, you know, actually like every year they come into November 3 and 5 with the exception of last year. And every year they play really well in November. Um and every year we start to get hyped up about a Chargers playoff run and then every year they crap their pants against the Chiefs late in the season. Um and I don't know if the Chiefs mess their pants game will be next week when they play on Monday Night Football in Mexico. I actually think Philip Rivers could play well in that game, but they play the Chiefs in Kansas City in week 17. I think that's the game. The Chargers are going to play awesome football for the next like five or six weeks and then completely melt down in week 17. That's my <laughs> point. 
I don't think we could say with confidence that the Chargers are going to do anything. They're too weird. Um, but I think we also have to be uh, aware of – I think there's like – two positive narratives right now coming into the game it's like oh the chargers won two in a row they're back but there's also like hey the raiders are better than anybody thought they were going to be yeah. Yeah. um I, it's entirely possible they both look terrible i'm i'm with you i i think the chargers defense is more likely to shut down to slow down the raiders than the raiders are to slow down the chargers or the chargers are to just completely self-destruct but I would not be surprised at all if Anthony Lynn came out and tried to hashtag establish the run. So you uh, dropped out for a second there. Oh, sorry. So I don't think that I think the Chargers are more likely to slow down the Raiders offense than the Raiders are to slow down the Chargers offense slash the Chargers are to completely mess themselves on offense. But I think it is there's a decent chance, and we talked about this in previous games in terms of matchups um, and how teams would approach it like the Cowboys against the Eagles. Would the Cowboys just run into the the strength of the Eagles' uh, defense, which is their their rush defense, or would they be you know, quasi-intelligent about it and pass the ball? I think there's a decent chance that the Chargers come out and just try and pound the ball into the middle of the Raiders' offensive line with Melvin Gordon <laughs> instead of throwing all over what is a bad secondary and then running out of those positions. So... I just I feel like that would be my one concern with the Chargers is that they might have a bad philosophical approach to how they want to attack the the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, in other words, you're concerned that the Chargers might Chargers this up. I'm concerned that they're stupid and they'll Chargers it up. Which, I mean, safe thing to be concerned about. Absolutely. Uh, we'll find out tonight, though. It should be a good game. Fun Thursday night affair. Follow Dubin at J-A-Dubin5. I managed to hold off from asking you what you think about the Phoenix Suns, who I'm oddly in love with um <laughs> instead we will uh <laughs> what do you think about the suns i've only caught one suns game so far this year but uh they look like a real basketball team which is a significant change from what they looked like when i watched them the past couple of years i took their over at uh 20 take it out it was 24 and a half or 28 and a half or something they're five and two out of the gates which is a uh looking pretty good it's a good start for it i got it at 28 one of my friends is all over the Suns this year, and he gave me the stat the other day. They're 5-2 and two right now. They didn't win their fifth game until the 29th game of the season last year. That is crazy. Um, I also took the under on the Hornets, though, so that's not going well. They won three in a row. And the over on the Bulls, and they are terrible. I may regret that. Yeah, I was on the Bulls being competent, too, and they look atrocious. Well, they just have to win 33 games, which is not necessarily competent. Yeah, I mean, they look pretty bad. So, <laughs> all right, uh, Jared Dubin, always a pleasure, buddy. We'll uh, talk to you Monday. Sounds good. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present a Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.